Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today's guest is Andrea Valdez from 3D Muscle Journey. This is the third episode I've done with one of the coaches and teammates of the 3DMJ crew. We've also had Jeff Alberts on. We recently had Brad Loomis on. Um, and as I'm recording this, I'm getting ready to record one with Eric Helm. So I'm kind of going through this team because this team has made such a big influence on me and on the industry as a whole. And I think they all have a different perspective and a different amount of value to bring to the show. And I really wanted to kind of go through the whole team, hear their story, hear their philosophy, and get to know them personally so you guys could as well. And we can help uh, kind of expand this network of high uh, evidence-based individuals, highly educated evidence-based individuals who are really putting out a lot of content to make sure people are doing things the right way. Um, And they have a a lot of integrity inside of of true coaching and what that actually means, which you guys are going to hear us talk about today. But Andrea Valdez has been an athlete her entire life. She has competed in figure powerlifting. She has been a a gymnast. I believe she was a soccer player. She even competed in cheerleading. Um, So she's done a lot in in multiple realms, and she's even dove uh, heavily into CrossFit later in her career. So she's really well-versed on as a fitness enthusiast in general, but she also has her kinesiology degree and a long background of coaching people in the sport of bodybuilding, powerlifting, and lifestyle, as she is one of the uh, coaches inside of 3DMJ. She's also behind the scenes doing a lot of their content, their podcast. She helped with the muscle and strength pyramids. So she's a really intelligent, really interesting, and really fun person to talk to. And I'm excited for you guys to listen to this interview today. As always, if you like this show, please do me a huge favor, head over to Instagram and post a screenshot of this episode on your story so we can see it. Um, and we can share it on ours. And thank you for listening. You can tag me at Cody.BoomBoom. You can tag their crew at Team3DMJ. And you can also tag Andrea at AV underscore 3DMJ. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to thank you for listening. We'd love to share it on ours. Without any further ado, let's talk to the one and only Andrea Valdez. All right, Andrew Valdez, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Um, thank you so much for spending time with me. I, I've been a uh, huge 3DMJ fan over the years, so I actually remember exactly when you joined the team just because I've just always followed the newsletter, the podcast, the videos, the blog. Um, I've done consultations with Brad, like I just told you a little bit ago. So I've been a huge fan, and, and what you guys do is so – I, I don't think you realize how impactful it actually is to coaches – uh, because I think about how many times I've referenced the muscle and strength pyramids or Eric Helms's work and like your guys' blog. It's insane. And I think about that. So there's got to be all these other coaches that do the same. And yet you guys have no idea who I am or that I'm doing this, you know? So I think it's just, it's super cool for me to have you on the show because you guys have had a huge influence on me and how I run my team and how all of my coaches do what they do. Um, but just kudos to you guys for doing what you do and putting out the information because it's, it's making a huge impact. Man, thank you so much. First, thanks for having me. Second, thank you so much for all those compliments. And luckily, like you said, I came in late. So 3DMJ primarily is four gentlemen plus myself. And like you said, 
I've been with 3D for about five years. They've been together about 10. And so I think I realized because, I, you know, when they started, they didn't know who I was either. And I was in the same boat as you. And to be honest, the reason the Muslim Strength Pyramid books exist is because they changed my life too. Luckily, because of circumstances, I lived around the team. I already knew Eric. And when he came out with that and it took, I was already um, a figure athlete at the time. I was already working with um, gen pop clients of my own. I didn't feel like I was ready to be a contest prep coach yet at the time. But, um, you know, they changed, they took it to like another level when the pyramids and Eric, and we're talking about Eric Helms repeatedly because he's the, the main author. I'm a co-author on it, but for real, it was Eric, it was, you know, it's Eric's mental construct that created it. Um, and so, you know, the reason I push for it to exist so much is because same thing happened to me. Like, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better. I was in the YouTube rabbit holes. My first contest prep came across 3d and it was like, Oh, Oh shit. These guys are doing it a different way. Um, and so I, I appreciate those compliments, but I know what you mean. And it's, I'm sure the guys, it's a little harder to take that compliment, but me, I sort of take it and I'm like, yeah, same Z's. They are great. <laughs> I still think of it as like a they thing and they get mad at me sometimes, but um, luckily now as the director of operations, it's my job to basically promote them and um, a little bit us, but mostly them because they're so great. And, and I just really appreciate um, hearing on behalf of me, but mostly them. Yeah, no, and I, th I think it's, it's cool, too, because obviously I'm an external perspective, so I don't 100% know, but from what I can tell, you coming on board is why the Muslim Trick Pyramids got so popular, because you were like, hey, let's put it in this platform, and let's put it in this medium and get it out to people, or even the podcast, like, um, yeah. it, like making sure that that gets done and making sure that people, because I think nowadays, like, that's how people study. That's how people learn. That's how we get this information yeah. out. And you guys are, there's not that many teams of coaches that have been just online coaching successfully for this long, you know? And it's so, it's, it's really cool. It, it's an inspiration for me because I have a team um, of five other individuals uh, and then myself, and we're really trying to push the evidence-based practice and just do things the right way. Um, and really pay attention to what people want. And, and I took away so much of what you guys do and implement that in my team. I mean, we actually just hired a uh, chief science officer. Um, his name is Bryn Roberts. And it was like... Oh, I know B-Rob. Yeah. So he, he's <laughs> too. I actually just did... We do a monthly podcast together, him and I. Um, I just recorded that with him. And, and the whole goal of that was the same thing. It's like, man, I'm constantly... Um, Eric Trexler is actually my coach. Um, I'm constantly reading all of Eric Helms' stuff and Greg Knuckles okay, and all these cool. guys. I'm in the research review. And I was like, I need somebody on the team to help me put out quality information as well. And that's yeah. another, like, I can honestly say that if it wasn't for you guys, I don't know if I would have steered that route because you guys are kind of the role model for the industry in that way. It's so cool. I mean, I, I, I'm Here, like giving you a lot of compliments right now. So I don't mean to like make you blush, but it's just like, like lightweight but also super happy about it. So you do it, everyone. Good. Uh, you should be. It's a huge compliment, which kind of gets us into the first thing I want to talk about is uh, why'd you get involved with 3DMJ in the first place? You kind of started touching on it, but I'd love to hear your story as to like how you found them and like how, I mean, even to this point of like, how did you make that connection? Because I think a lot oh, of people God. are almost afraid to reach out to, to certain individuals. And I always say like, everybody in this industry is really cool. So just reach out to people. And, and oh, okay. how did that all happen? Yeah, yeah. It's a long story. Okay. So let me think. 
um, I'm gonna try to breeze through like the first 20 years of my life. And then I'll go into like the 10, cause 3D is probably, I found out about 3D in like 2011 or 12. So um, the, I had a background in athletics, right? I was a gymnast since I was like six years old. I did competitive cheer. And then um, when I was in grad school, I was at University of Oklahoma uh, and I was studying exercise physiology. And um, that was when I first got into weightlifting for weightlifting sake to try to change my body a little bit. And um, I was like, oh, it's kind of working. And while I'm in grad school or whatever at this particular facility, like across the lab way, um, there was a, a PhD student by the name of Chris Voss, who's now a professor. Um, but he, my first year of grad school, I noticed he was from, he went from like this big, huge, uh, jacked powerlifting dude to like, you know, within six months looking entirely, he's a pro bodybuilder. I didn't know. I didn't. Lane Norton was his coach at the time. So I'm like observing this from across the hall while I'm trying to kind of look different. I'm like, this guy is crushing it. And so I just kind of talked to him about what he was doing or whatever. And I decided right then and there after lifting on purpose for six months, I was like, I'm going to do a figure show in the next 10 weeks because one's coming up. Gotcha. And they're like, that's probably not a great idea. And I'm like, oh no, I'm doing it. So lost 30 pounds uh, really fast, felt terrible became a hermit, all the things that are a disaster um, and the big dangers of what it is. So I, on one hand through this year, feel extremely accomplished, but also uh, lightweight suffering for a lot of months. But I thought I figured it out because I looked super cool in my, in my head. Um, and I became, as one naturally does, uh, you know, I, I, barely was like, I'm going to pass grad school, but I'm going to spend every waking moment on bodybuilding and reading bodybuilding.com and looking at all the magazines and like making myself crazy. Um, and so during this time, because I, I didn't hang out with my friends anymore, because all I did, I actually stumbled upon uh, Matt Ogus on YouTube. This is like 2012 ish. Yeah. And he, uh, uh, ended up living with him like five years later, which is like a really weird story, but really? <laughs> yeah, we actually, I lived with him for like six months. Uh, kind of like the poster child of natural bodybuilding once upon a time. Yeah. Yeah. He, for those of you who don't know who Matt August is at the time he was blogging his first contest preps. He was like the first natty kid vlogger, I guess, like to hit it really big. Yeah. I don't think anyone who's like, been in the industry in the last 10 years doesn't know who he is Anyways, he's a good friend on eric helms at first See? yeah okay. he, i was watching matt's videos and then matt was doing these like q a's with eric like it looked like yeah. out of a chipotle or something they were just sitting there it was yeah just talking and i was just listening to eric like whoa i've never heard anybody talk uh -huh. about that kind of stuff and then that's how i saw the samesies it was his vlog series where he you know where matt <laughs> every like morning every meal he would sit his little camera there and like eat with us hashtag us right and so and he'd talk about what he's doing and I'm like oh this sounds like it like makes a lot more sense than the shit I did um <laughs> so yeah and so that's when 3D's channel kind of started going a little bit and so I watched obviously everything they put out for the next couple of years um and then you know I took a very short off season shorter than I should have but um in in Somewhere in there, I was like, well, I'm going to make my own channel because I don't see any girls. So I started vlogging my own um, off-season, but not really an off-season. I basically was like an athlete. But, um, and Matt got, he like shared a couple of my videos on Facebook. And at the time, Facebook was the IG of the time. Like it was actually cool to be on Facebook. And so he knew who I was and I was like, oh, dang. 
Um, and so I became a part of this little community of natty um, teenagers slash early 20s who are videoing their every day as they lead up to competitions. Um, and so let me try to fast forward. This is taking a long time. Uh, but basically I, I told Matt and his friend Chris a lot of the time, I'm like, man, I really want to prep again, but I want to be to coach me. I know they're really busy. You know, I'm sure they don't have room, but Alberto Nunez would be like my, my like ideal coach. And if, if he says he'll coach me, like I want to move there at the time I was living in Texas slash Oklahoma. And they're like, all right, weirdo, but we'll talk to Berto for you. And then Berto was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And I was like, Oh my God. So I moved to California and trained with Berto like three times a week. And then we were like homies. It's actually, I, during the, I lived there for like in the Sacramento area. Cause all the guys are from NorCal for about three years. And when I say it now, it sounds crazy. Like I'm literally moved there, but it was like, I had devoted my whole life to it. Like I'd got a master's thinking I was going to be a professor. And I was like, no, I'm going to internet YouTube, uh, be a figure person and make money somehow. So I moved there and I never had the, uh, the intention of being a part of 3DMJ. It was like, I just, um, I'm in, you know, podunk Oklahoma. I want to learn from these. I want to be, I felt very isolated and they didn't make me feel that way. They made me feel understood. And I wanted to be around that. And, um, so I did, and throughout the next couple of years, I prepped with Birdo. I trained with Matt and Brandon, who's now been my boyfriend for almost seven years, every day, uh, trained with Birdo sometimes. And we all just became friends. And out of necessity, I had to turn this YouTube thing that I'd started into, um, into a way to make money. You know, So I was making eBooks on the side, I was selling apparel, I was coaching, you know, all these things. And then, um, yeah, I was making my own eBooks and one of them was, um, you know, like contest prep stuff. And I made one for girls and it went well. I wanted to make one for guys, but I needed help with the posing. So I went to Jeff and he helped me, Jeff Alberts, who's our, our go-to posing coach. And when that happened, I was like, you know what? Somewhere in the middle of that, Eric had released the Muscle and Strength Pyramid YouTube videos. And I was like, Jeff, do you think I could ask Eric if we can make those into a book? Because they're really the best thing on the internet. They've helped so many people, including myself. They helped me as a coach. And that's how that started. Um, and that relationship was more, um, the initial relationship between me and 3D was just like their homies. And then it was like, oh, well, I can, I have this skill that I out of necessity learned, which is like now I'm the director of operations. So basically I learned self-taught how to make a website, how to make an email list, how to make eBooks. And the guys at the time were just like, I want to coach. I'm so tired of running this website. I'm so tired of making YouTube videos. We barely keep up. And it was just like, a, okay, well, if we bring you on, we can fill that void and also um, grow as a company. And so that's how it happened. That was really long, but that's how it all worked out. Never was the intention. I want to be a part of 3D to start. It just kind of worked out that way. And they became my friends and we helped each other build these businesses. And so here we are. And I'm going to stop. It. I think that, uh, no, it's good that you went on that because I think it provides more context and, and I'm yeah. rushing through that stuff. But I think um, this sounds so cheesy, but like following your passion and just kind of trusting your gut, I think it always pays off. I mean, even when you somehow, were thinking, yeah, it reminded me of, I remember having a, like I did an internship at a, at a facility as like a strength coach. And I remember interviewing the guys like, what's your plan? And I was like, oh, I'm going to make money on a blog. He's like, what? And I'm like, I'm going to start a blog and that's how I'm going to like generate revenue. And he's like, how are you going to generate revenue? I was like, 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like people do it somehow. I'll figure yeah, exactly, it out. Exactly, right? And yeah. and I just but I still just like went with it. Um obviously things changed along that journey, but now I'm yeah. here and now I have a team that's kind of similar to you. It's like you're like, well, I'm just gonna move to California and things ended up working out, which that is a ballsy move, but that's really cool that you did. Uh, you know what's funny is at the time it doesn't feel like it. Like that's how you know? Yeah. I mean you the same way you're like, that's not weird. People do it all the time. Whatever. Yeah. And when I say it a lot, almost everybody is like, okay okay you know it's awesome though I love it um okay so so going back to um I don't know how many preps you've done um but I know at least your first one obviously wasn't done a hundred percent as you would recommend it now Mm -hmm. (laughs) not even close maybe um I would love to know about your experience with that and and like the bad side of it and like why that occurred because I think it's it's important for people to whether they're getting on stage or not understand what happens if you diet incorrectly or if you um crash diet like like I mean you lost a lot of weight in a short period of time and and going gung-ho like that always isn't isn't always the best way to go about it especially for sustainability and I know you guys are a longevity based company as well so Mm -hmm. I'd love to get your like story and then and like why you felt like there were so many red flags in that yeah for sure um so I have competed two full seasons a long time ago yeah so my first season I was talking about where I lost all that weight very quickly kind of by myself um with the help of a few friends that were like oh, you just need to lose more weight. We'll just keep taking food away. We'll keep taking food away. We'll keep taking food away. Um, that was 2011. Um, it was about 2012-ish. I started this YouTube channel slash following 3D slash um, moving to California. Well, I moved there in like January 2013. So 2013 was my next season, which went much better <laughs> working with Alberto and the guys. And then I planned on doing 2015 bailed out because at this point in these last four years, I'd realized like, I'm not going to look different. I'm going to need a much longer off season. <laughs> and I never went back to competing in bodybuilding. I don't know if I, I wasn't know if I want to say never, but there's no plans of it in the future. And we can talk about all that too. But, um, the first, you know, I have mixed feelings about the first prep because on one hand, when I say it's done very incorrectly, like you said, it was a crash diet wait, um, I'm sure there was a lot of muscle lost. (laughs) Uh, I was very flat on stage. I didn't look great now, objectively for a figure stage. I like actually placed pretty well. Um, I think I like second or third or something. And it was a pretty big class, an NPC class too in Oklahoma. But um, the person, it made me into, like the things I did to get there, put me in a terrible place for any type of longevity. I'm talking like a month later, I was like, oh, my life's over. I look different. So it's like, you look the best you've ever looked, but if you've never competed before, um, you'll learn later on in like the next 10 years, like, oh, I can still look way better than that. But at the time, um, it turns you into a person that in order to do something like that, you have to be one, very self-absorbed. You have to be, um, you will have no energy, you will lose focus, you will have to be a slave to the kitchen. Um, every metabolic process slows down, you're tired all the time. Like it's, um, everything that was good about me as a person and a social being just like went away because this mattered more than anything else. I lost a lot of friends during that time. Um, and I didn't care, which is pretty crazy, but I didn't care. Um, so I leave I finished that show and I'm like, oh, this is my life path. This is the best thing in the world. I can't believe I did this. Um, I can't wait to do it again. But it was the last show of the season, right? So I lived all of 2012 
I was on YouTube and, and that looking at back, it's like, because I needed someone to understand me because everyone in my life I felt was wrong. If they're like, Hey, you're taking this a little too far. I'm like, you just don't understand. This is what it takes, <laughs> you know? Um, and I mean, it's, if you, if you don't have a true off season, you're never going to be set up for a good competitive season again anyways. Right. So, um, and that's just physically, but I think the dangers of it more than anything, and especially with females, which I know we lightly touched on is that, um, you see yourself differently in, in gaining weight for a female. Unfortunately for most females is very, very uncomfortable. And not only was it uncomfortable, I'm doing it or trying to do it on YouTube and trying to make it my business. And, um, I don't know. It just, it put me in a, a position to fail for the future. Like I'm, it's like this sport that I cared so much about and wanted nothing more than to be better at it because I cared so much about looking the part. I never gave myself the opportunity to get better at it. And that's when I knew like, I really need help and I needed Alberto to help me. And what's funny is the first thing he did was I talked to him in like November. He's like, we're going to start your prep in January. I want you to start adding like 30 carbs a week starting now. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, and I would have never done it for anyone else. And as soon as he did that, I started losing weight. Like nothing happened. You know, I was just starving unnecessarily because of the fears I'd caused for myself. Um, so anyways, 2013, I looked a little better. I was eating way more. I felt a lot better um, and not just physically, but it was psychologically being amongst my people because bodybuilding is very isolating. Um, and then 2014, after that season, I was like, oh, I need an off season. I know better now. Me and Berto talked about it. So I'm going to do powerlifting. And powerlifting was cool. It wasn't as, um, it didn't fill the void that dieting did for me. So that was unfortunate. Um, and it wasn't until actually getting into like CrossFit the next year that I was able to eat again, but it was just a three, four year period of, um, I think the biggest issue being my athletic identity tied up to the way I physically looked and the way I was portrayed on the internet. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, it was like a, a good five-year stint of being like that. So, um, you know, I, because dieting seemed to be so easy and fun for me and it turns me into this like monster, <laughs> I'm very wary of it uh, now. And I've found kind of, I've hit this place where I did CrossFit for a while. I just started gymnastics again. I literally competed in gymnastics me like two months ago for the first time in 20 years. Um, but it, it took me, you know, a six year lull in athletic happiness when, um, performing is actually like, I'm finding again, like, oh, that's my favorite thing. It's just, I need a challenge. I need to perform. And when I'm dieting, I don't like who I am really. And I think I'd be better at it now, but, um, I'm not going to diet now just because I work with 3d and that a big part of my happiness was actually getting, stopping my YouTube channel, taking a step back off Instagram. Um, and throwing myself into, um, I can be useful to the bodybuilding world by helping get this message out with 3DMJ. I don't have to look a certain way to do it. Mm. And that took a lot of work. Yeah. So, so. one, I, I have a couple questions based on that story. Sure. The first one being, how do you guys, because it almost seems like an oxymoron to some people, and I know it's not, but because I promote a similar message, it's like talking about the dangers of this. Mm-hmm but still being a bodybuilding prep coach. You know what I mean? Some people can be like, yeah. wait, so 
you want me to do it? You don't want me to do it? Is it good? Is yeah. It good? Um, but I think it's more about just providing context and warning so people understand. Like if, and I always tell people, like, if you love the sport of bodybuilding, you should do it. But if you're doing it as a way, because I see a lot of women, they're like, well, I'm just going to do a bikini competition because that'll be my timeline. That, that'll be my, like, motivator. It'll fix me. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's the best idea. Like, if you don't know anything about bodybuilding or love natural bodybuilding, there's no point in doing a competition. But um, I guess I'm just curious of how you guys, like, how do you have that conversation with people? How do you tell people to, to find that balance? Yeah. So to start, I mean, a thing that I've been a real big proponent of all of us have is like, if you're not mentally in which I was, <laughs> if you're not mentally, like, this is something I want to do. Nothing can stop me. I can't wait to die. I can't wait to get on stage. If you're not in that place, and if you're using it to, to again, fix you, it's, it's really hard to, um, it's really, it's really difficult to discern that sometimes you can ask it straight out, but also, um, it's a thing that we get a feel for. Like we Skype with our athletes first and they can, they'll tell you I'm ready. I'm ready. And I can't wait to change my life. And that's the thing. It's like, do you want to do this contest prep and be a career bodybuilder? Or do you, like I said, want to fix something? Do you feel like, um, you get the sense sometimes that people are getting on stage to fix a marriage, to gain confidence, to be somebody, to be better than somebody. You know, there's a lot of insidious creep up, you know, like back end reasons. And sometimes the, the athlete doesn't actually know that themselves, you know? Um, so it's, it's, we love this sport and we love the career. And honestly, the biggest challenge is learning how to come in and out of dieting without losing your um, sanity, right? It's not, it's not the physical part of it. It is in the short term, but the lifelong career successful bodies are the people that know how to come in and out of dieting, see their body as more of an experiment, see their, um, see it as an objective thing to change for this overall goal, see it as a collection of skills to gather over time versus like the end goal is looking this way to take these pictures for these people. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to discern, but that is what we're looking for. And we've seen it ourselves. And we've seen it with a lot of our athletes and, and colleagues that when it's, it becomes enjoyable, the journey, the long-term thing becomes enjoyable, but most people, even if they know that they want to be in this for the long haul, most people will have a difficult time. You know, like, even if you know, I want to do this for the next 20 years, we have some young kids that look amazing, <laughs> that have huge, bright futures, but the joy is in the fact that it is difficult. And the, the joy is like, when I come out of this, I'm a changed person. It's really hard to explain that to someone who hasn't like dieted for six months or more. Mm -hmm. But the shit you learn about yourself um, is absolutely the reward and the things that you uncover along the way. And uncovering is very different than like, that, that doesn't mean like the body or the fat that you're losing. It's like, um, you know, it, it takes a it's like uh, the way you get to that physique is by becoming a better person most of the time. And we see that and we want that for our people as long as, um, you know, they don't end up worse off on the other side. And that happens, you know, and we can't fight that. But, hope, you know, luckily we've become a little more in tuned as a company over, you know, a decade of like, you can kind of see the red flags 
in the language that some people use or the journey they've had up until you. Um, and there's no right answer. Like you said, it, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard like hair to split. I think, I think integrity as a coach plays a big role in that too, right? Because yeah. it's, it's a lot of people who, if a dollar sign is being thrown out, they're going to take you on as a, as a prep client, no matter what. And I think that's the unfortunate side of, of the bodybuilding space is there's not as many coaching practices with true empathy and integrity like you guys, where it's like, Hey, like I see these red flags. I don't want to take you down this route. Here's why I've been there. Trust me. Um, I want to get into the recovery aspect from your prep too. Um, This is something that it's actually funny because I, so I did a show um, and I, I reached out to Eric uh, (laughs) before my show and said, Hey, I just wanted your advice on like, how do I get out of this? Like I'm in a diet, very restrictive. There was no macros back then. It was like, here's my meal plan. And uh, what year was that? Oh, it was maybe 2013. Okay. Maybe it was a while ago, um, but it was right after it may be 13. Cause I think the muscle and strength pyramid videos came out in like 2011 or 12, right? Uh, the nutrition one, it was like 13 and the next, the, the training one was, I think 14. Okay. I think they were, the nutrition was out, but I'm not hundred percent sure, but okay. I reached out to him and was like, what, what's your recommendation? Like, I'm, I'm thinking about going on like a little vacation. My girlfriend at the time was going to compete and he was like, definitely don't do that. Cause I was going to go on a cruise and he was like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> trust me. Naturally. I was like, okay, dude. And I just ignored him. <laughs> went Uh-oh. on the cruise, binged, gained all my way back. And I went through that cyclical process of like, yeah. I grew up a little overweight. So like for me, like I finally got to my leanest possible physique and anything less than that was not acceptable. And it was like this yeah. crazy mental thing, which is probably why I'll never get on stage again, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm curious about your recovery, both from, and you can split this kind of in two, but like a mental and then also um, the physiological side of things. What did you do to make sure that you got back to that place? Like, what did you have to do? You spoke about weight gain really, yeah. but I think that's an important point to touch on for women listening because they struggle with that so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we at 3DMJ have what we call the recovery diet, which is like sort of our, our guideline to exiting a prep in the immediate like four to six weeks, maybe six to eight weeks, right? And if you um, just Google 3DMJ Recovery Diet, we do have a video on YouTube. We have a free course too on it. So I'm not trying to sell you anything. We just really think it's important. (laughs) I've already mentioned it on this podcast before, so. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah, so um, at the uh, back in that day, day, actually, we were doing what was called the reverse diet. We thought we collectively as like a natty industry thought the best thing to do to not overshoot your fat gain (laughs) is to stepwise and incrementally by a few hundred calories here and there, get yourself up to what you were eating before. Well, after a few years of that, we realized uh, that doesn't work for anybody. You don't, you can't try like, like you experienced, you can't, when you've been starving for that long and then there's no immediate deadline, it's really difficult to have um, the same willpower to not want to, to, to control yourself to that level. Um, so it went, really poorly, you know, like about 80% of the time or more to try to do it very slowly. And so the recovery diet is kind of a way of saying like, look, we need to acknowledge that nobody's healing till they're over a certain percent from their stage weight. So we try to kind of get there as soon as possible. Um, again, within the first six to eight weeks, about 10% over stage weight if we can. Um, and then we can kind of coast and find a maintenance thing, but we'll feed our athletes right away. Now, 
while that um, physio physiologically uh, we've seen that work much better, but like you mentioned, it doesn't sit well with a lot of people to hear, we need you to gain fat. <laughs> so um, sometimes we'll do it slower on purpose just to, to mitigate that, to ease people's fears. Sometimes um, it takes a certain amount of weight gain. Some people need to overshoot it in order to be normal again. Um, for me personally, it took um, finding happiness and joy in sports again that had nothing to do with my physique. And like I said, I thought powerlifting was it. But throughout that year that I was training up to my first powerlifting meet, I still, you know, because I still squat benched and deadlift for my, bo for my bodybuilding training. So there's just a little more of that. And I didn't really, it wasn't different enough for me. I still felt like a bodybuilder. I still trained similarly. I'd been doing that for about five years. It wasn't until um, I found functional fitness and was training a whole lot and was having the time of my life and was so hungry that I didn't give a shit what my macros were. Um, and so I got up, I probably gained another 10, 12 pounds over the next year. And when I look at photos from then now, um, and for the record, I got on stage somewhere between 115, 120 pounds. I hang out now and most of my life between 135 and 140, but I got up to like 150, like 2015, 2016, I was the strongest I'd ever been. I was the happiest I'd been as an adult athlete. Um, I was the fastest I'd been. I learned Olympic lifting. I was doing gymnastics again. Like I was over the moon. And when I look at those pictures, like I said, I'm like, oh damn, you're a little thick, you know, but I just didn't care. So for me, that was the, uh, the thing that I needed to get past it. And then like 2016, 17, 18, or like 17, 18, I, somewhere around there, my body's kind of like evened out. I was like, oh shit, we're fed. You're having fun each meal isn't like a calculation in your brain. Like it, it's cool. Like, so I don't know. I know for sure mentally I needed to find happiness outside of my physique as an athlete again. Um, and then also like, I don't know if physically I just had to spend a lot of time that heavy for my body to just like chill out and be like, Oh shit. Okay. We're here now. Um, you know, and ultimately I'll never know the answer because it doesn't matter so much as like when you see it in hindsight, you know that you're past it. And it's hard to explain. And I know you've been there too, that you're like, oh shit, I was crazy, but you don't know why or how. And it was like all these unnecessary things, um, but you never believe it till you're on the other side. You know, like I always, from, <laughs> for like four years after my, I don't know, like maybe three years after my last show, I'm like, oh man, I'm way better than I was six months ago. I'm way better. I'm way better. And it wasn't until like fast forward through a, a year and a half, two years of like CrossFit. And I was like, oh, I was, yeah, that, that wasn't better. And I look forward to things like that throughout the rest of my athletic career. Like you're, I'm always, I guess like it's, I've been competing in shit long enough and having fun as an athlete long enough to know that every two years, I'm going to look back at two years ago and be like, wow, that was crazy. I'm so much better now. That was crazy. I'm so much better now and better, the better target changes, but I'm always paying attention to myself and I've always been an athlete and I, um, like I, I now have like that evidence and that faith that like, I'm always getting better and it's okay. I just need to look far enough ahead and far enough backwards to realize it. I love that. I think that when you guys came out with the recovery diet, it was super helpful for so many people because I went through the same thing with so many clients and myself. Like this yeah. is thing. And I think a lot of people forget that if you, I remember people saying like they're going to five gram carb you to death. And it was like literally like five grams a week. Yeah. But you're just 
if you're in a deficit for 12 weeks, just throwing out a number, and then you just barely bump up for six weeks of a reverse, you're really just six weeks longer in a deficit. Yeah, you're just dieting more. Yeah. So <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. I actually just did a post about this where it's like you just need to get at least a good bump at the beginning, and then you can baby the process to try to find where yeah. that payments range is. But um, I think that's super valuable. Do you think that women who like the more aggressive the diet actually is, uh, the more they have more likely they might have to actually overshoot. Like you mentioned, like some people actually have to overshoot. Um, cause there's a lot of people that are like, I brought my calories to maintenance. I still feel like shit. And, and I guess that's what I'm trying to explain. Do you see that some people it's like, you just have to keep going and almost get into a surplus for a while just to fix what has happened. And I don't like saying the word fix, like you're broken, but yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, we've seen it both way like I remember I've had conversations with, with the guys where I say the guys the the other men I coach with which are the only people I talk to basically right now during the coronavirus um, but we've had a lot of conversations about like sometimes it's an amount of time being fed like like um get to maintenance and just keep eating that even whether you're full or not and then like it'll kind of like you said fix or like at some point in time it all feels better some people it is like the calories that they need to eat post-show far exceed what their maintenance will be a year after the show. So sometimes we have, uh, Berto does that shit. Like we have to force feed him. Like, and my boyfriend right now, um, he's a 3D athlete too. Like I said, he was prepping with Berto January because the Rona, he is no longer prepping. But um, I think about three weeks ago, they stopped uh, shooting for the show and he just kind of stopped tracking and he lost like three pounds. You know, like, like, um, unfortunately it's easier to like when you've worked with a coach, say for us, like we prefer six months or more, like a year, maybe through this thing. And then we know kind of how someone's body works pretty well, how their mentality works pretty well, what's comfortable for them. And then we can gauge better. Hey, we need to feed you a lot now. Like a lot of men, it's very rare for women, like you said, but a lot of men are like, fuck it, let me eat. Let me get a little thick. Who cares? Um, and, and so I don't know if it's harder for women's physiques. I don't think it's a physiological thing. I think like it's a psychological thing uh, that the overshoot is very difficult. A lot of men, uh, quite a few men don't care quite as much. Right. But, uh, yeah, it can be time. It can be um, rest, like just getting the stress down, takes some weeks of like your body's been in holy shit mode for a long time. Um, so it, you know, there's no, but in, in the short, yes, you're right. That can happen. But we've seen it with, that people need other things besides just calories. It can be amount of time. It can be training stimulus. It can be that the, the cardio keeps stressing them out. Like if they're scared to decrease their cardio enough, we recommend cutting it in half at least immediately. Um, but some people need, you know, complete rest. It just kind of depends. I think you hit the nail on the head with the psychological factor being the big one. And, and I think yeah. that's the value of coaching, right? Is like, having somebody kind of talk you off the ledge for lack of better terms, because that process is just hard to do by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like Berto, uh, my particular coach who I found him to be the person because he's so laid back mm -hmm. and so chill and I am so crazy. And so like now, 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 I don't want to do it now and tell me everything and tell me exactly what, you know? And so he was a really good yin to my yang in that, um, and he would talk me down from like the, the weekly holy shits and my check-ins after shows. Right. But then, you know, they can only do so much. And I had 
nobody told me go try CrossFit or go get another activity. Like it's not our usual thing, but sometimes we do say like, find another activity, like get your mind off of your physique. And that can be the breaking point for some people. For me it was, and it had to be something that was that difficult and that aggressive and that like a way to get all my energies out over here. Um, and to, it had to be something that was also just as consuming really. Um, to get me mentally out of it. And, you know, for some people, they, they never come back to the sport because it takes them that far away. Um, we have guys that do jujitsu trying to think we have some people who like want to mix in running like five K's with their whatever. Um, and I think that's, again, one of the strengths of 3d is like, we're never if it's our job to tell you, go do something else, these check-ins are making you crazy. You're like, Hey, I'm going to Skype with you every eight weeks instead, because you don't need to monitor yourself every week. Not only do you not need to, it's actually making it worse for you. Um, and I take a lot of pride in work, you know, that, that we, we do do that. And like you mentioned too, we have no problem turning people away from a prep or saying, I know you came like say this year. Um, we won't say this year cause it's a lot here. Say 2019, you came to us in January and you were like, this is my situation. I want to get on stage and April. We have no problem saying that's not going to be a good idea. You won't get what you want out of it. How about we shoot for next year? Or, you know, how about we do an off season now and then see where it goes or how, you know, like, because we respect it so much, we often talk people out of it. Yeah, I think, and I don't know if this is wishful thinking. I think that's becoming more prevalent. Like people are okay saying that. Um, It might just be because the more into this I get, the more good people I actually meet. (laughs) I just like, it's my friends and colleagues that do that. Um, But I do think it is, it's becoming more well-known, which I think is huge. Do you guys have like a, if you're looking at an athlete's like year, do you guys have like an idea in your mind of like, this is how, like, just to prepare them mentally, this is how much you need to focus on maintaining not only like your weight, but like having maintenance calories, like not being in a deficit essentially and, and time away from prepping and stuff like that. Do you have a general idea in your head? Um, I know with a prep, it's, it's a little bit different, but even like gen pop would be a similar, but maybe just to a less degree. Yeah. I think we always have, I don't want to speak for the guy. Actually, I will speak for them on one and then not the other. I will speak for them in that. Like we all look at an athlete in terms of like, they're going to be lifting for a lifetime. They're going to be active for a lifetime. And within that lifetime, right, we're looking at, say, if they want to get on stage, because some people will come to us and be like, I want to be a figure athlete within the next five years. And so then we take that. We're like, okay, what's the best thing that we can do there? Um, so we don't have a general one per, per our roster, but we do um, set something up for every athlete in that way. We always look at it as like, okay, career, okay maybe five-year plan if they said they had one and then like this season and then therefore this mesocycle or like this phase or whatever. And so we do always do that. Um, we do have some general rules like, okay, we, okay, at least, you know, we, we know it's going to, we want to lose faster at the beginning for a prep than we do at the end. We need to make time for that. We know we need to make time for diet breaks. Um, we know that we need to make time if we can for holidays. We know that, you know, so like everyone's or like someone's like, okay, I'm going to be traveling for a month for work here. And like, we plug that in. So like, it's a per athlete thing more so than like a general thing. Uh, we also, if it's 
helpful. I think the episode we just put out on the 3DMJ podcast, um, I don't know when this will come out, but as episode ooh, 149, uh, which is like one year out from your next show, which kind of will give, and it has Berto, Brad, and Jeff, our three head coaches for contest prep, that will give um, a little bit more specific insight into how we look at a season, but in general, we would love to hear from our athletes at least six months before their first show. And we say a year if they've never been on our roster, because then we can do things like, all right, we want to start dieting hard in January. We want to take, I don't know, 10 pounds off you now, let you coast through the holidays, and then we'll hit it hard again. So we do shit like that all the time because, um, the, un I th again, I think it's more normal now, but like we know ma muscle maintenance is a huge part of how you look on stage, huge part. And so the longer we can keep you eating, um, the better. And then of course, the more breaks we have, the less we've run you into the ground as you approach your season, the more likely we are to make it through the end of your season <laughs> without feeling as shitty as you could have in order to let you maybe even eat up into your shows. A lot of our athletes feel better on show day than they did a month before because they got the fat off soon enough. So, um, yeah, unfortunately it's not a general, this is how we look at it. It's more like a, a per athlete thing. I think everything is an it depends answer. And I know I, it sucks, I, right? I kind of figured that and I, I just wanted you to elaborate a little bit. So I think you did well. And I think okay. it's, there's a lot of people that are even just, I call them advanced gen pop because they're not competing. But if they're listening to my podcast, they're definitely not just, they, they kind of geek out on this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I always tell them like, this stuff's important for you too, because even if you're not getting that lean, you're still dieting. And if you're dieting, you need to be aware of, of these things and think long-term. So I really just wanted to kind of get it from your mouth, like putting it in perspective. Like you have to look at a big portion of the year and periodize this properly. So you're not running yourself into the ground and taking yeah. caution. Yeah. And it's amazing too. Like uh, those, those types of lifters, like we do have some gen pop. Uh, we also people who say like, again, I want to compete in the next five years or maybe I'd like to power lift one day or like, I just want to be leaner over time. And that's the thing is like most people will, if you just keep at it and you have a sound program over time, always looking back like five years, you're going to look better at the same body weight. You just have to keep going. So, um, and keep going for some people literally just means like keep lifting, listen to hunger signals. That's enough for a lot of people, you know, uh, if they want to take it a little more seriously, I know people like doing like mini cuts for the summer and in the winter is a good time for them to put on some weight. And, um, you know, that's a skill in itself and there's better and worse times to do it. So I think if you just get a paper out, look at a calendar, um, you know, write down your priorities for different times of year or write down the long-term goals and where you fit along that. But, um, I mean, I feel like you and your coach or you on your own, if you actually sit and think about the next year, you can do a lot for yourself. I think people just go through the motions and never reevaluate or not often enough. Right. Um, you, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on too, is you brought up CrossFit multiple times and I actually went on your blog today and I saw, um, a pretty recent article about basically, I think it was something along, I think it was recent. It was at the top when I clicked on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like people shit on CrossFit for a while. Yeah. Um, and I actually didn't know that you jumped into CrossFit and then until I saw that and then I saw what you said. So like, I would love to get your perspective on that. Cause I, I'm in much in the same boat. Like I think that fitness should make you happy. So I don't really care what you do as long as you're not getting hurt and you're just 
having fun in the gym and you're progressing. Um, and I have a lot of clients that do CrossFit. So I'd love to get like why you made that shift and, and your perspective on that kind of speaking from that blog. Yeah. So, um, my first actually while all while competing in bodybuilding and powerlifting or whatever, like 2011, 12, 13, 14, I thought CrossFit was stupid. I didn't get it. You know, I went, I, uh, inadvertently, I had a coworker when I was coaching gymnastics who I went to see one of her competitions in like 2012, I think. And I was like, what is this? And I immediately had a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, while I was doing powerlifting, I got invited to a free CrossFit class and my dumbass went hard and I won the workout. And then I think I gave myself lightweight rhabdo. Um, <laughs> like I had a fever the next day, my legs were shaking is retarded. That should, it was not great. Uh, so I had this, uh, stigma about it and I did. And again, that was a long time ago. And I was like, man, CrossFit's not for me. But, um, the, the changing thing for me was actually, uh, my boyfriend's a photographer by profession and he had a shoot with an athlete at San Francisco CrossFit. And I, and I was like, well, okay, whatever. I help him sometimes. And I saw this girl doing her muscle ups. And as a former competitive gym, I was like, Oh, that girl is a gymnast. Like those are pretty like, and I, so, so I talked to her and she's like, I do this thing called the grid league, which I think you're familiar with because you have a background. Yeah. Most people aren't, but I saw the grid league which is basically like PE for CrossFit. It's like relays. It's really quick. They have gymnastics specialists, which got my board with powerlifting mind being like, huh, cool. Followed her on Instagram and I was like, okay, CrossFit's done, but this grid is different. You know, like in my head, I'd, I'd gotten it all. I was like, well, I'm going to hire a grid coach and we'll just chase this and see what happens. I was having the time of my life or whatever. And then I um, was training at a CrossFit gym and, was, and followed a lot of CrossFitters. I was like, oh, when they they're actually pretty smart about it. And it's actually really hard. And these are legit athletes. And it's, you know, like I kind of drank the Kool-Aid and got into it and really learned a lot. And I realized how much it had changed from the first time I gave it a look to then. And I realized that the reason I messed up was because I'm an idiot, not because the sport itself is an idiot. Um, and it actually, and like you said, it's a lot of fun for certain personalities. There's, uh, for me, it was everything I loved. I loved breathing hard. I loved gymnastics obviously I love lifting it was a new challenge so it was extreme enough for me to have a good time it made me feel like an athlete again um and that particular post that you're talking about it is recent I think I just posted it but I wrote it like a month ago I was on Instagram looking at some guy I really respected um and it was like maybe the second time in like a couple of weeks or it was like someone I really respected was making fun of this or like not um it was the, the classic, like just doing shitty reps or something like that. Or it was like a, another one was like a kipping pull-ups thing. And it's like, they just don't get it. Not, not so much that you don't get it and you don't have to get it. But that post was about like the closed mindedness of people. And I've been there, obviously I was, but it's like, um, if there's anything I've learned from when I started doing maybe the last like three years, I want to say just when I started doing CrossFit is like, Sports are sports, athletics is athletic, bodies are bodies. And I can learn a lot from other sports. And I had a shoulder injury and learned a lot from like Eric Cressy, who's a baseball specialist. You know, um, I learned a lot from Active Life RX to help me get through like a scoliosis issue, um, which is more of a CrossFit thing, right? I've obviously learned so much from bodybuilding and physique and 
a lot about strength from powerlifting. And it's like, the longer I'm an athlete, the more I realize how much shitting on other sports is a disservice to my growth, to me being a better coach, to me closing off my toolbox. Um, and so I don't do CrossFit now. <laughs> uh, like I said, at somewhere in the last, like about seven, eight months ago, I found out I could do adult gymnastics again, like competitively. And so I did, and it's been the time of my life. But I, um, I think the, the whole CrossFit thing, though, is it's not that I love CrossFit. Everyone should love, love CrossFit. It's that I'm, I'm just kind of like amazed or like wonder how long is this sport going to have to be around for people to realize like they're doing cool things with the human body that no one thought could be done before. And like, why is that? And what can you take from it? I absolutely love watching the CrossFit games because every time I do, I'm just like, what in the it's fuck? It's intense. Doing? Um, it's actually funny you said that too, because I've, uh, the owner of the gym I used to work at, uh, he was really good friends with Eric. So I've been to mm -hmm. multiple Eric Cressy seminars. I'm actually really good friends with Dr. Sean Pastouche, who owns Active Life RX. Yeah, I saw he's been on your podcast a couple of times. Uh, yeah, so like I totally uh, can relate to everything you're saying. I actually jumped into CrossFit a few years ago because I kept getting questions from clients and like on the podcast, stuff like that. I was yeah. like, oh, my friend owns a CrossFit gym. I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to see what it's about. And I even remember having a conversation with him about kipping pull-ups. And, and there was like a there was like a, I think it was, a, it was an AMRAP session, but it was like a partner thing. And I'm doing like strict pull-ups. So I was like, I'm, I don't do kipping pull-ups, dude. And he was like, this isn't about like maximum lat contraction right now, Cody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about getting as many reps as you can so your partner doesn't lose. And I like sat there and thought about it and I was like, oh, okay. It's like hitting the bat to a ball in their sport. Yeah. People just don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think it, like, I think the, the takeaway uh, like that you said is really powerful. Like just having an open mind, like what, what do you get out of shitting on it? Like, no, yeah. there's really I'm no superior. reason. I am better. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, a, it, it actually is a, a pretty crazy sport to watch and it's, and it's fascinating and I think it is growing and there's a lot of people who are doing it intelligently now. Um, I remember when it first came out with a strength and conditioning background you think like, no, 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 they're putting all these different modalities and intensities together to mm -hmm. make sense. This isn't how periodization works. But I can honestly say if you're really good at CrossFit programming, it's actually really hard. Bodybuilding programming yeah. is much easier. Way so easier. much easier. Yeah. Like I, when I was coaching with 3D, I would, but I was coaching with 3D, but as an athlete pursuing grid before it shut down. Right. So I, I was just like, for speaking purposes, I'm like, I was doing CrossFit. Um, and I would get the occasional, like, we'd get the occasional person apply to 3D being like, can Andrea coach me through functional fitness? And I was like, oh, no, no, that's not, I'm not trained enough for that. Like, I had a coach, and I barely understood my programming for the first, like, six months. I didn't understand what the hell I was doing. Like, I needed help with the CrossFit coaches locally. I was like, what is this thing? What's a TTB? What is B plus? <laughs> like, I didn't understand yeah. all of it. So it's, um, yeah, I respect the shit out of it now. It is difficult. It's, um, like you said, it's. Like when you were like, I'm doing maximal lat contractions. Like, no, that's not the point of it. And I think that that's just a mental barrier on our behalf. Like, like I said, once I understood that like, oh, 20 kipping pull-ups is because, like I said, it's like a, a touchdown. Think of it as a, a, it's just for completion, you know, and um, that makes people mad. It's what's funny too. It's like people get mad about it and it's like, yeah. why? Yeah. Um, 
no, I, I agree. I think that's a really good way to kind of summarize it. And I think it's, it's cool hearing it from perspectives like ours, because I think people can take away a, a lot from that. Um, what, one thing I did want to touch on before we do wrap this podcast up was building connection and trust with clients. You talked about this on a podcast that I listened to in, I haven't coached with 3DMJ, but knowing how long you guys have been doing this and how much I've studied what you guys do, I have to imagine that you guys have kind of, I don't know if anybody can ever master the game, but like you guys have kind of mastered the idea of like connecting with people because your adherence has to be high if you're working with people this long, especially if you're taking them through preps and you're planning for five years, like that's unheard of for a lot of people. So um, do you have any things that come to mind when I say like, how do you build that connection and trust with, with the people you work with? Um, yeah. So I think it starts before they ever apply, right? We've put the same way that you found 3d and the way I did, it starts with, you don't want to say marketing cause that's turned people off, but like, what do you stand for and what are you displaying to the world? before like some or when someone finds you on the internet by word of mouth or whatever right if they hear the name 3dmj for the first time and they google it what do you have there and i think with us man now that it's 10 years there's a shitload of stuff on the internet but from the get-go what was on the internet was always um integrous it was always well thought we never um were very careful with our reputation and we um, try to exude a flavor that will only attract a certain type of person. So it's very rare that we get someone who has no idea how we work, right? And a lot of that for us, um, I said before it was through YouTube, and then when I came on my first big project, because I know, you know, after being with the men in person, like as far as being around, around like at their homes, talking to them, eating a meal with them was my favorite thing and the thing I got the most out of them. So I was like, the first thing when I came on um, with 3D was we need a podcast because the long form is where we shine. And not only that, it, like I said, it's, we have, you know, just like you, tons of podcasts where like, you can know us before you come to us. And we um, made a decision early on that because the four men have been in this for so long, our, our four coaches and they had enough to say like, we don't have guests on our podcast usually. Um, it's very rare because we wanted people to hear our experience, our expertise, the way we do things um, more than anything else. So that was a, a strategic decision on our part um, from the get go. Not that everyone has to do that, whatever that is for you, right? If you need to put programs online so people know you're good at programming, if you need to have a podcast like yours. If you need to have a blog that's just written content, um, like that's a, Eric Cressy's blog, but man, it's a treasure trove, right? His blog and YouTube channel. So I think it starts there. It starts before your person ever signs up with you or it should, right? Um, and they don't have to repeat yourself all the time. Then when you do get that client, you can be like, in this video, we told you all about this. Yeah. Um, but then and step one, two is like when they go to our website, our application is very thorough. It's very long <laughs> on purpose, not just because we want to know you, but we want the type of people who are willing to do shit like that. So you tell us a lot up front. And then I would say 90% of the time or more, right when we take you on, you do a Skype call with a coach before they build you a program. So you don't sign up with us and we send you what we think is good for you. We um, purposefully put roadblocks until we know you. So you're not going to sign up with 3D 
and by three days from then have your first program. Like you actually have to wait a while because we have to schedule that Skype. We have to do it. Um, some of the guys like filling out sheets while the guy, while they're talking, I personally would do the Skype and then go to my notebook for hours or I'd be like, I'll get it to you within 48 hours kind of thing. But, um, so I think because the, the optimal program on paper might not work for that person's situation, schedule, preferences, experience level, like we need to know all those things first. And then um, I guess the next layer for that would be for all of our competitors, we do video check-ins. And I know that that's not common for a lot of um, coaching practices. I think it's a little more common now than it used to be, but it's how we've always done it pretty much. Um, that's how I did it back in 2013 with Berto. So every week we expect our competitors to send us a video of them talking to a camera visually so we can see them as they're talking, which is really important for us to get to know how they're doing, um, to tell us any milestones, any ups, any downs, any concerns or whatever. So week after week, um, and then the coach does the same thing back. We'll send an audio or a video back. We'll never send like a one line or like 10 carbs, man, like whatever. We're, um, and we don't do that to brag about it, although I'm totally bragging about the guys right now, but it's, <laughs> it's important for us um, not only to be better coaches, but I was going to say not only to be better coaches, but to also be really good at that relationship, but that in turn makes us better coaches. So it's all, um, so I think that, and then ultimately like they're, the guys are just good people. Like we care about people, you know, and that's why <laughs> Not that a lot of people don't care about other people, but um, I and we are very protective of who we let in our circle of, we don't hire, I'm the only other coach that's been there since the beginning and in, um, you know, in 10 years, I know that's not normal either, but um, our mission statement prevents us from doing otherwise. So. Yeah, I think uh, for a lot of coaches listening, that first thing you said is huge. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the patience for that, but like building that trust before they even approach you. Um, but it makes coaching so much better because I know that's how we, we run too. I mean, we put out so much free content that by the time somebody works with us, they already know me. They know how I work. They know how my coaches yeah. work. And it makes the whole process so much easier for us and better for them. Um, but people are fake. So it's like, hey, put out free stuff for years and just keep putting out free stuff and then you will build that trust. Like it'll help you. A lot of people don't want to do that or be patient enough to do that, but it really is like a yeah. big, big factor in, in how these things operate. And then um, the, the second point of just you kind of really diving deeper into that whole piece about being uh, true to like your message, having that integrity of what you guys do and what you stand for and being upfront about it. Uh, yeah that way only the right people are working with you. And I think that's important, like saying like, hey, I wanna make sure you're a good fit for us, you know, yes. before we do this. Yeah, and I think um, what's helpful for us, or what was helpful early on as an observation with the guys that I find a lot of pe people aren't willing to do now is um, they all had day jobs for a long time. Like everyone wants to quit. Their, I realize I did it and I don't recommend it. <laughs> everyone wants to quit their job and be like, I'm a, I'm a coach now and this is what I do. and like. I mean, Jeff worked at an auto plant, you know, Eric was teaching at a junior college, uh, Berto was teaching, I think Brad up until actually now still will when needed part-time at, um, as a CT scan tech. Yeah. So, I mean, um, like you said, if people don't want to put in that time, but it's like the reason sometimes that, that they don't want to is because they want to start their career now as their full-time career, but it's like, it takes 
sometimes part of being the best coach you can be is having that other job or that other stream that, you know, like, um, the slower you do it, the more it pays off in the end and giving up all your security sometimes makes people do crazy things like give away, you know, like, like, uh, try to fit as many athletes on the roster as possible or do things for clickbait. And like, then it kind of like, you're not in a good position to serve any mission statement because now your mission is like, I need to make money as fast as possible. And that was never a thing with 3d, um, to start. And so now it's a lot easier to continue that. And same with you. Like you'll have so much, what are you like 400 podcasts? I mean, my goodness. So it's getting there. (laughs) Yeah. I think we just passed 400 maybe. It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And so, um, it pays off later. And like you said, now it makes everything so much quicker but you have to put that time in first and, and sometimes that, in, that takes you, you know, personal training and goals while you do your free stuff on the internet on the side. So. Yeah. That's exactly how I started mine. And I think, yeah. uh, I think it's funny because a lot of, if you talk to most trainers or nutrition coaches or anybody, a lot of them will tell you like, Oh, I didn't start this because of money. I started this because I really, I mean, nobody says like, I'm going to be a personal trainer and get rich. Like, <laughs> not like a common thing go into banking or accounting or something um but yeah. somehow along the way that they forget about that it's actually that picture above my wife got us that for this our, our office and it says remember why you started and like yeah. that's the whole thing is like remembering that you didn't really do this for money in the first place yeah. so like keeping that integrity throughout the journey um is really important i actually uh so we've been operating for uh online for three years i've been i've been a coach for almost nine but I just like literally started ads for the first time ever. And nice. I was working with this Google guy and he was like, so what are you selling? I was like, nothing. He was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I want to run ads to my free stuff. It's like, that doesn't make sense. Like, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, like, no, no, no. I just want people to read the free blog. Like there's good information there and I'll just pay monthly and you just get people there. And he didn't understand it, but I was like, dude, That's like crazy. if they're a good fit, they'll, they'll hire us in six months. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, um, it's cool. And, and again, you guys have had a huge influence on, on my integrity as a coach. So I think it's really cool to have other people on the podcast that agree with what I'm saying and, and kind of push that same thing. It's, uh, I think you're right though. I think it's becoming less rare, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time you have these kids that want to be influencers from like 14 years old and you're like, God, why? But it works. But that's the, that's the age we live in. So, um, okay, I'm going to respect your time. This has been really fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it has. I, I, I know you said you don't do Instagram a ton. I think that's what you said. But uh, your Instagram, uh, 3DMJ podcast, all that stuff, anything that you want people to check out, um, now's the time to kind of shout it out so I can link that in the show notes and they can head over that way. Yeah, for sure. I think 3DMuscleJourney.com will take you to everything that we do for the listeners' purposes of the show. Yeah, on Instagram, we're at Team3DMJ. Um, if you want to learn more about me and follow my things, it's andrewvaldez.com. It's um, thoughts on random things, including athletics sometimes. Uh, but yeah, just check us out because if you go to our website, you'll find literally everything we do somehow. Perfect. I love it. Thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. 
please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.